We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, welcome everyone to the August 8th edition of the RotoWire NFL podcast, of course, brought to you by our friends at Circus Sports. I'm Joe Bartle. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports alongside me every Tuesday, Jake Latarski. We're going to be talking about overvalued players on today's show. I just completed the Beat Joe Bartle RotoWire online championship, uh, going over the NFFC ADP really over the past week and a half, past two weeks. I know Jake's got some guys as well, too. Uh, that he's thinking, not, not going to consider too much. And of course, we're teeing up for the RotoWire Stake League auction draft taking place tomorrow. All that auction strategy we've discussed over past podcasts, we're putting it to the test. Jake is going to continue on his uh, awesome stake eating streak, and I will hope to get off the schneid. But that'll be a big recap for us when we come back next week. Uh, again, getting to that overvalued players. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, we can hit the music here, I think. Again, welcome everyone to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by Circus Sports. We're going to get to them in just a second. It is a massive show, though, today. Overvalued players, lots of news and notes over the past couple of days with training camp and vice versa. Uh, Jake and I are preparing for our biggest draft come tomorrow. I just had my second biggest draft last night with the Beat Joe Butter Online Championship. We're discussing the results of that. Before we do so, get a word from Circus Sports here. Get ready for millions guaranteed. It's the biggest pro football contest in Vegas, and they're back and bigger than ever with 14 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circus Sports. You must enter in Nevada, but you can play from anywhere. There's two ways to win, and there's no rake. You can play the Circa Million, make five picks against the spread each week, and with 100% payback to players, the grand fan, uh, finale winner takes home $1 million. Last place takes home a $100,000 booby prize, Jake, with quarterly and full season payouts. $6 million is guaranteed total. Uh, well, $6 million is guaranteed across there. Join Circus Survivor to select one team each week straight up with no repeat selections. If the team loses or ties, the entries eliminated. Each team can only be picked once in a season. Go 20-0 or be the last person standing to win it all I was, I, or be the last one to actually get a win. $8 million guaranteed, $14 million in guaranteed prizes. Visit Circa.com uh, for more details. All right. News and notes, Jake. 
Lots has occurred over the past week. Uh, is that yeah. a fair, fair statement? Yeah, for as uh, slow as things have been over the weekend and, you know, with not much action in the Hall of Fame game and, uh, you know, now the camp's fully in swing, we expected news to, uh, you know, really, really add up. But Nick and Jeff only really hit on Elvin Kamara yesterday. So just to recap, if you were uh, missing over the weekend, uh, three-game suspension for him. So I guess that's probably better than the four to six most people were expecting. So um, that's good there. But, of course, with the whole Saints thing, that ties into today's news, which is that Kareem Hunt has visited the Saints, and he looks like he's very likely going to be signing with the Saints. So that's probably the biggest news of the day here. He, of course, gets a pretty big role the first three weeks, kind of takes the Kamara role, right, while he's suspended. And then after that, things get to be a little bit murky there. Yeah, and this comes on the heels of Eno Benjamin uh, tearing his Achilles during Saturday's practice. The Saints actually had a number of injuries. Rashid Shahid and then uh, Traquan uh, Smith also left uh, camp with injuries or left that practice mm-hmm. Saturday. We'll talk about those a little bit later in the show. But to your point with the Alvin Kamara stuff, they have Jamal Williams. Uh, Kendra Miller, their third-round pick, has been healthy and active after missing a lot of the rookie OTAs and stuff. Uh I mean, that's that's a pretty loaded depth chart. I, I actually don't even know if Kareem Hunt fills in for Kamara. I think it's sooner that Hunt is not on the roster than having a critical role with the Saints offense. And it really goes back to, I thought, last eight, ten games with the Browns that he just looked like a shell of that dual threat player that we've come to know with the Chiefs and the Browns, obviously, over the past couple of years. I, I think Kareem Hunt signs with the Saints, uh, and we're assuming he's going to, by all indications, he's in, in, intending yeah, to sign it's not like the Delvin Cook thing where he's doing a media tour. It sounds like Kareem Hunt will actually sign with the Saints. I, I don't think he's going to be that critical of a factor, and especially when Kamara's mm-hmm. back in week four. I wouldn't be surprised to see Hunt uh, as a healthy and active. You're not trotting him out in special teams. Exactly. We know Jamal Williams can do that. We know Kendrick Miller can do that. I'm not sure it's – I don't it's think you're trotting Jamal, Jamal Williams out on special teams They shouldn't. Teams anymore, we know right? he can, though. <laughs> yes, yes. We know. We very much know he can. No, Kareem Hunt, uh, his ADP when he was a free agent was 191 in the NFFC League. So uh, we're going to talk about ADP a lot today because that's the you know that's a lot of the crux of the show. Of course, you had an NFFC League. We'll use NFFC ADP to discuss that. So I just wanted to sneak that in there. But uh, around 191 to begin with. I don't think it improves that much now that he's signed because you have some very short-term utility. I think he needs an injury. He would need an injury to become uh, actually suddenly fantasy relevant there because, I mean, Kamara uh, may not be the uh, the first-round pick that he was or, you know, for the rest of the season. He might never, probably will never get to that point again, but he can still be pretty productive. And then you got Jamal Williams likely to vulture all the touchdowns here on an offense that... A lot of new parts, moving pieces. I mean, I know you like Derek Carr, um, but Derek Carr's back, so it's a new quarterback, new front man. Maybe we have a healthy Michael Thomas. There's just so many things that could go good, good and so many things that could go wrong with this offense. I don't think the Kareem Hunt situation moves the needle too much. I don't think it makes Elvin Kamara – it shouldn't decrease his value as much as, uh, as much as you might think off the top of your head. Yeah, and I had Elvin Kamara uh, in the Rotowire – Las Vegas draft in the 10th mm-hmm. round, and then the Rotoware the Las Vegas round. Superflex. Very was nice. like 11th over, round. The, over the last month in the NFFC, Kamara's going 88. But that is, you know, if we if you spread if you compare that to over the last week, like he's he's rising up by the day, I would imagine. I would, yeah. Uh, this whole situation is cleared up. Well, Since I was going to say, in my draft, he was the at. first pick in the 8th round. He was the first pick in the 8th round. Right now, if you look over the last seven days in the NFFC, I'm trying to get some Kamara action. I think that's 96 ah, it, if I'm doing the math. I, I got 86 right? over... Uh, 
over the last seven days. So it hasn't, hasn't gone up as astronomically as I thought, but the news has only been on for a couple of days here. I wouldn't necessarily pump the brakes. I, I'm not aggressively trying to get Kamara. I mean, he is right behind a tier of guys that were questionable about that we're going to talk about you know, a little bit later in the show here. But I don't uh, – I, again, I, I wouldn't pump the brakes on him too much because I'm worried about Kareem Hunt stealing touches. Yeah, and I would sooner say if you're getting value on uh, Kamara because Hunt joins, I would, I would gobble that up. I think Kamara's the mm-hmm. better player. Uh, despite coming from that same draft class, which is interesting to note. Some quarterback battles. Uh, we have C.J. Stroud now finally getting all the first-team reps over Davis Mills, unlike the uh, Bryce Young, Andy Dalton situation with the Panthers. Uh, the Texans hadn't been willing to commit to their number three, number two overall pick. Uh, and, okay, good. I mean, that we've seen enough Davis Mills to know that I think C.J. Stroud, you could say what you want, faults for him, whatever, at Ohio State, he's better than Davis Mills. Mm-hmm. Glad that the uh, D'Amico Ryans and the Texans are going that direction. And then there's Kyle Trask, who seems to be getting a little bit closer to uh, Baker Mayfield in terms of the Buccaneers quarterback yeah. situation. Yeah, Jenna Lane, pretty respected beat writer, said that, it, said that it's getting close the other day. That's what we based our note off of. I saw today that maybe they're listed as co-starters on the depth chart, which is uh, for August 8th. That's not too bad here. So that means the rookies made some either, – either Kyle Trask has been gaining some ground or Mayfield's been losing some ground. I guess we'll see. Probably a little bit of both here. I don't know definitively what that means for an offense that should, in theory, have a lot of fantasy weapons. Um, you know, Evans, Godwin, they'll be – I think I don't think their outlook particularly changes based on which one of those two starts a quarterback. You're going to get mediocre quarterback play at best throughout the whole year in Tampa Bay. Yeah, and a guy like Rashad White who is – theoretically stepping in as the starting running back for the Buccaneers. He's not on our show list today. He probably should be. I think he is also very overvalued where his current ADP resides. But uh, I, I would I would think Kyle Trask would help the Rashad White value because Kyle Trask is really bad. You said rookie QB. Technically, I think he's second year. Didn't play at all last year with Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. He shouldn't be playing. Uh, I know Florida fans are going to be upset to hear that. Kyle Trask is like – the 65th best quarterback in the NFL and should not be considered to be starting. So that Baker Mayfield is theoretically in contention with Kyle Trask is uh, equally concerning to me for Baker Mayfield. And I was never high on him even when he was uh, at his peak with the Browns. So something to keep in mind. I like Mike Evans. I like Chris Godwin. Uh, you would assume that if I like both of those, I shouldn't be committed or I should be interested in both quarterbacks given their bargain bin ADPs. I will, I will not touch any one of those. I think even in super flex leagues, you're uh you're asking for a lot to have Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask be relevant factors for you. Somebody who I like quite a bit, very upset that I was not able to get him in the uh, Beat Joe Butter online championship yesterday, Nick Chubb, who we had conflicting reports yesterday that he was being considered for third down pass catching work. And then I think it was Kevin Stefanski yep. Uh, said, well, actually, uh, we don't know who's going to be the third down pass catcher for the Browns. Yeah, no, it was the running backs coach that said, yep, he's ready to play on third downs. He's good to go. And then, yes, the fancy comes in and kind of says not so fast here. But those guys are running out of options. I'm surprised they weren't further in the mix to sign Kareem Hunt here because, of course, they lost. Well, resign. Yeah, to resign. Exactly. Uh, because, of course, uh, you know, Jerome Ford uh, is a little bit banged up. So we'll see what happens there. And they lost Dernis Johnson, too. So, you know, after Jerome Ford, it's Demetric Felton, who's a specialist, special teamer, basically. Nick Chubb is all they have. So I think um, I think he's a guy we're going to start to see rise up to that first, second round turn, if not already in a lot of drafts. As, yeah, as we I get was closer. Uh, I had the number seven overall pick. We'll talk about the draft a bit more in detail as we continue on throughout the show. I took Tyreek Hill based off ADP. You know, that's that's not a surprise. But I had I had really thought about Nick Chubb because I'm, I'm pretty convinced, especially if he does end up being the pass catcher, which 
I don't know, Jake, how do you read the coaching stuff? But if the running back coach is already saying, yeah, mm-hmm. he's good to go. He's capable of being the pass catcher. What, he catch 24 balls last year? Oh, Actually, yeah. you know, we can put up your, your draft here in a little bit once we get through the news. But Team 10 Bush, you started Nick Cub, Saquon Barkley. That's a dream start for me. I, I love that start uh, whenever you can get it. Yeah, and I was going to say, I mean, he was a good pass catcher at Georgia as well, too. And, and the Browns haven't utilized him isn't a knock on Chubb. I think that's what Kareem Hunt was really good for, and they wanted to save Chubb to do the best thing that he does, which is running the mm-hmm. ball. But now, in a three-down capacity, I, I, I think he'll be more than comfortable with it. I loved Jerome Ford. Uh, spoiler, I took him at round 16 in last night's draft. Even knowing the injury news that we did, which at this point is very little, uh, because I thought Jerome Ford could equally fill in as a three-down back. But to your point, Delvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette still all remain uh, huge veteran names. I don't I don't think the Browns want to bring in a huge veteran name, maybe a Fournette who would, I would assume, just operate as the team's pass-catching running back if they were worried about that. But that the running back coach is indicating that Chubb can do it tells me the team's already talked about it, they've planned for it, and Kevin Stefanski's doing a little bit of sto- uh, showmanship as to not revealing mm-hmm. the true intentions. Because yeah. Like down, the running back coach let it slip, and the, and the head right. coach is trying to be like, okay, hang on. You know? Yeah, a, a three-down Nick Chubb could be very powerful for the he Browns. He could be RB1 this year. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, like, they don't have to tip off defenses as to what's going to happen if Nick Chubb I mean, Christian out. McCaffrey sure has a lot more, you know, the consensus RB1 has a lot more competition from Elijah Mitchell than Nick Chubb does from anybody else on that roster at the moment. Really, really good point. Yeah, uh, wholeheartedly agree with you. We did get a uh, word, at least from Buffalo camp, that James Cook seems to have taken over as the clear-cut number one running back for the Bills, uh, obviously leaving Damian Harris and Latavius Murray as kind of the backup roles. I've just operated under the assumption that the Bills were going to make that happen anyway to get return on their second-round pick investment from last year. And especially after Naheem Hines had that uh, weird injury accident over the offseason and took away any sort of other pass-catching running backs, even though I thought Cook was going to do that anyway. Um, I think it's it's just like a designation. Uh, that Cook might be called number one running back. He'll be the starter when they do all the Monday Night Football grids and listing off all the guys like Brian Bulaga, Iowa, right, doing that deep type of deal. <laughs> Brian Bulaga. Yeah, but I, I don't I don't think Cook is actually going to get like a 25 or 30 touch role. You don't sign Damian Harris and you don't sign Latavius Murray with the idea that uh, Cook is getting yeah. all the between the tackle carries and the pass catching work. Like the, the distinction of first team running back, I don't think really applies for how the Bills are going to utilize their trio of backs this year. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you could see it. You could see it going a little bit like last year, too, where, granted, Cook was young. They didn't want to overwork him, but there was Singletary, Cook, and even Hines you know, was, was, was getting in on that. And Zach Moss was had a role, but he was bouncing around between active and inactive. You never really knew before the trade. So, yeah, they just used a whole lot of different backs there. I can see that happening again, but at the same time, I'm starting to warm up a little bit on uh, – on James Cook here. I think, you know, guys like hey, Damian Harris could maybe push him. I think Latavius Murray's past his prime. I mean, Murray was pretty much unsigned for a good chunk of the last offseason before catching on with the Saints late and doing a little bit because they had no other option here. You know, I'm not I'm not threatened by Murray, maybe a little bit by Harris. Uh, but, yeah, no, Cook is someone that's growing on me a little bit just because you have to think of him as like, okay, who do you like better the Chiefs offense, Pacheco, McKinnon? I think the ADP says Pacheco. You have to at least consider that the floor, right? You know, a multi-back in one of the top five offenses in the entire league, and that has some value for me. You know, he's sitting at 72 over the last week, and, and that's viable. If I'm sitting there on the clock and i got to pick between Michael Pittman and James Cook, whew, it's, uh, it's, getting, it's getting tight there for me. Yeah, a bit of a spoiler. Uh, I'm a little bit lower on James Cook as we get into more of the show, but that's fine. I, I'm not going to knock somebody 
who has that opinion because on paper, really good offense, a guy that's going to get a lot of workload, makes sense. just don't think James Cook is that good, but that's fine. Uh, talk about the Chiefs for a second here. You have Isaiah Pacheco and Kadarius Tony, but banged up for most of the preseason, especially Tony, who was looking like he might miss a week or two. They've been reported to be on track and should be able to play uh, week one. I think it's actually against the Lions. They, they have the very first game of the season the Chiefs do against the Lions. I, I'm i not super eager to draft Tony. Um, I think his ADP is fine if you're comfortable with risk, so he doesn't qualify as an overvalued. But there's never going to be a point where I'm taking Kadarius Tony in any drafts this season. I guess, well, maybe if he falls down to three or four rounds. More important to me was that Rasheed Rice, their second-round rookie receiver this year, left practice today early with an injury. It seemed like it was a, like a leg or a hamstring deal. I have Rasheed Rice on probably like 90% of my rosters and best balls right now. So that would be very, very bad for me if Rasheed Rice was going to miss extended time for the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I think if you're projecting out Marquez Velasquez-Scantling or Sky Moore, uh, if Kadarius Tony, they all do the same kind of thing. I guess uh, Richie James too, former Giants guy. And I've, I, I don't feel like there's an obvious outside receiver other than Rice, which is why I've been drafting him every single time I can in rounds 11, 12, and later. And I did in the Beat Joe, Joe Bartle online championship last night. Uh, I will be very disappointed if he's going to miss extended time because that was one of my, my favorite values uh, in the draft to date. Yeah, so so we're talking about Rasheed Rice here? Yeah, I mean... Hey, well, like, when did that... Uh, he, we don't even have an injury status on him right I, now. I, so this is the, the beauty of uh, the X that Elon Musk has created for us, Jake. But that actually came like... 30 minutes before we went on post here. So uh-huh. I don't I don't blame you. And actually, if you're writing a note, given all the training camp news that takes place, Rasheed Rice probably isn't first on the docket. But yeah, he, he had left uh, practice at least, uh, I thought earlier this morning, with some sort of like hamstring injury. So I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm, I'm hoping that the X uh, app has got me incorrect. I'm saying that in jest. It's always Twitter. Sorry, guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> see, see, now you got me like that because... Rasheed Rice being hurt, you know, we're going to talk a lot about Kadarius Tony later in the show. He's our cover boy on the show, right? And yeah. Rasheed Rice being hurt uh, changes kind of everything about that whole uh, about that whole thing. So uh, I'll monitor that here as we go in between while you do your reads and uh, and, and uh, anything. So else. you got you, you're always the one that's up to date on that stuff. So I'm I'm happy that I'm breaking news to you, but probably yeah. should have uh, let you know ahead of time. Continuing on with the, I I believe this has been the dumbest thing over the past couple of years is the pre week one training camp reports on starting roles and where teams uh, lie. I feel like it does not matter at all. It's inconsequential uh, by the end of the preseason. But Khalil Herbert listed as your number one running back for the Bears, uh, Deonta Foreman, number two. That means Roshan Johnson, who a lot of dynasty experts love. Uh, A lot of people who are just like to use the buzzword sleeper are all in on Roshan Johnson. He is not even listed among the top two running backs. I I feel like we've just completely ignored Khalil Herbert, who – outplayed David Montgomery for most of last season, even after Montgomery came back and was healthy. Herbert is an electric runner. Maybe he can't do pass catching stuff, but I, I don't think it's anywhere close. And I like, I don't think it matters if the running back in this offense can't do pass catching stuff. Cause I don't see a lot of design screens or emergency dump offs coming from either of these guys. Yeah, no, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And honestly, if you're doing, short yardage plays it's justin fields running the ball like you mentioned they're not going to be trying to throw it out of the backfield and having one of those i guys imagine the rugby scrum it like hurts yeah I, I, yeah the the, the push tush or whatever is the tush push yeah i, I did it reverse yeah. there no i i uh am i'm very comfortable taking khalil herbert i didn't in last night's draft and certainly could have been in a position to mm-hmm. but i i think he's a, a interesting value if nothing else and 
I believe the person who did take Herbert bookended that with Deonta Johnson, or sorry, Foreman, the pick after. That probably is the correct play. I think those two are going to compete for the starting role for most of the season. You and I, doing our waiver wire podcast, will probably talk about Roshan Johnson at some point, but I'm not sure he needs to be drafted in redraft formats this year unless you're playing in particularly deep ones. So I took him in our dynasty league. I think it was like third or fourth round. We have a, a stable of people who know college football and know incoming rookies, and none of them really liked Roshan Johnson, so that's probably why he was depressed in the uh, in our market. But he typically is like a second-round pick in dynasty formats, especially true, mm-hmm. just only rookie dynasty formats. So. Yeah, all of this kind of reaffirms uh, what I was thinking about Khalil Herbert, someone that, you know, if you have any belief in this Bears offense at all, they should be riding up the draft board. He should be riding up the draft boards. I mean, Deontay Foreman, He's been in the league since 2007. He's 27, so he's not quite over the hill in running back years. He finally had a good year last season where he's where he got close to it, not quite, not really that close to 1,000 yards. 914 rushing yards, five touchdowns. Um, he was only targeted nine times in the passing game, so not really a factor there. And that was after Christian McCaffrey got hurt. He was still sharing well, time. Traded. Yeah, or traded, traded. Yeah, that's what I mean. Or I guess hurt. I'm used to saying that with Christian McCaffrey, right? <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, that was after McCaffrey. He'd be right every traded. other year. Yeah, and he's uh, and he's been splitting time with Chuba Hubbard. So like, I don't necessarily know what it is about Deontay Foreman that is going to suddenly make people think he can push Khalil Herbert. Uh, so that's so that's the interesting part for me. I think uh, I'm warming up on Khalil Herbert. Yeah, my only thought is Foreman could be a pass catcher. I think at times in his career he's been suited for that, and the Panthers may have miscast him in that role. And I w- I would have flipped him around. Like if I'm doing the Panthers offense last year, Chuba Hubbard's my guy that gets close to a thousand rushing yards. Foreman gets mixed in more as the passer. Whatever, you know, I'm, I'm not on an NFL organization right now, so clearly I don't have the intellect. Uh, but given all the changes that occurred in the uh, with the Panthers this past offseason, maybe maybe they could have done better to having Foreman be more of the pass catcher. We'll see. I think Khalil Herbert's the clear runner of that group. Um, real quick, Jake, because I, I want to get to our overvalued guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've done a lot, 20 minutes on news here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, dumb training camp news update. 1.2. You have KJ Osborne listed as Jordan At- listed over Jordan Asson uh, in terms of starting receivers for the Vikings. I can guarantee you right now, this might be our, our first board bet, uh, our Culver's board bet. I'm not positive for a second. Jordan Addison is going to outproduce KJ Osborne in every single uh, yardage way, fantasy way, touchdowns. There is not, this is going to be as foolish as when Mike Zimmer kept Justin Jefferson on the bench for the first two weeks of the season. And you and I got to do a podcast saying, no, you should probably pick up Justin Jefferson rookie year. And of course, explodes, does awesome. Jordan Aston's going to be the same way. If they want to pretend like KJ Osborne is going to be a factor for them, fine. I saw uh, he's only listed as a starter because he can block better, whatever. You know, coaches do dumb <laughs> stuff with rookies where they have yeah, to yeah, earn yeah, it yeah. or whatever that Again, is. I see that's, a rant, a rant like this was exactly why I threw it on the news outline, <laughs> right? Because I wanted to hear Joe talk about how much he loves it's Jordan dumb. Madison and how and how dumb that the coach is and, and give it a chance to uh to uh yeah, to uh rag on the Vikings a little bit there. So um yeah, so I, I just wanted to throw it on there for that reason. I still think Jordan, I, I'm still a little not quite sold on Jordan Addison, but um, because of you know Osborne lingering around. But yeah, if you had to, if you had to make me pick who was going to get have better production this year, I think or Addison will retake that, overtake that down the stretch. Yeah, it's it's not even close to me, uh, or at least in my mind. So Rashid Rashid Shahid is going to miss most of the preseason preseason with a groin injury. Uh, same with. Well, not same. Traquan Smith also suffered a groin injury, but doesn't seem to be that serious. It's important to note because uh, Michael Thomas is back. Theoretically, we're talking about Christian McCaffrey uh, missing time routinely. We can make that joke. Michael Thomas, we literally can. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens and if he can stay healthy for more than four weeks. But if 
Michael Thomas is healthy and you have Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, uh, and, and Traquan Smith, that's probably one of the deepest receiving groups the Saints have had, what, since the Devery Henderson, Robert Meacham, Michael Thomas uh, years, like when they went to the Super Bowl. Like that's that's a really, really good group. And one of the reasons why I am high on Derek Carr, who ended up being my quarterback too uh, in NFC in the NFFC draft. Are you taking Shahid if he's healthy? That, that's the one question I was going to ask. I mean, I have Shahid in uh, Dynasty, and of course, I, you know, he's there's no penalty for key, or any amount of keepers really right. there. So, of course, I have him there. I'm not super aggressively looking to get him outside of that. You know, if we, I mean, I took him in, I guess I took him in Fishbowl because the, the draft goes so far down. I'm pretty sure I got him in Fishbowl. So I'm taking him as a super late-round flyer in teams where, in, in drafts where I set up, where I don't take elite wide receivers early and I'm going quantity over quality later on to try to make up for that. He's one of those guys that I look for with uh, one of my last picks. But other, other than that, um, you know, I guess we're, we're just going to have to wait and see a groin injury. And uh, he's already, he's essentially competing with somebody that was, uh, that that is also, that has been maybe with the system and has been with those guys a little bit longer and Traquan Smith. Yeah. I, I like what Rashid Shahid has to offer, but we'll see if a wide receiver three can be viable on this offense here. Cause there's only so much to go around, you know, right. Olave and Thomas, assuming they stay healthy. Everyone seems to love the Juwan Johnson touchdown hype train here. So uh, what is there left? You know, is there room for another deep factor and how many deep shots are they going to take with Derek Carr? Yeah. He's my like best ball target. If I'm trying to get best ball receivers, that's where I think that's fair. I would, that's I would go with Rashid Shahid, but not sure I'm, I'm targeting per se in a redraft, especially after this news. Let's take a break, uh, get a word from our sponsors, Blue Wire, and then we can come back with our overvalued players. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Okay, so we're back and discussing some of our overvalued players. For the context for the listeners, and I want to make sure I have this pulled up correctly, I participated in the Beach Joe Bartle Online Championship last night. Uh, if you finish above me, it's either in the standings or point total, I'm not positive, you get a free subscription to RotoWire for uh, the rest of the calendar year. So there's some incentive, but the real goal is the $250,000 grand final prize if you finish first or second in your uh qualifier league at least like these beat rotoware online championship leagues you then go into a week 15 through 17 game mode where you are competing for the top overall point score with the points carried over and that two hundred fifty thousand dollars grand prize so stakes are on the line there's some really really sharp drafters i think there's um at least one top 10 finisher in this draft that took place if i i remember the names correctly uh so it's kind of a big deal when we're discussing strategies and what people were choosing to do, uh, things like that. So I'm going to share the screen mm -hmm. right now for the video audience. Obviously, if you're listening right now to the draft, we'll do our best to talk through uh, what kind of occurred uh, and, and what more or less happened throughout the draft. But mixing this in, Jake, is some of our overvalued targets. And I want you to kick things off with a guy that you think uh, is relatively overvalued based off their ADP. All right, so looking at your draft here, we've got a fourth-round selection here, um, and you took Josh Jacobs over this guy that I was going to mention, and I think uh, I'm going to go ahead and mention that you make the right choice. And that's uh, that's Brees Hall. His ADP is 42, so he's looking at mostly a fourth-round pick here, and I'm worried about him for a lot of reasons. And, I mean, honestly, you could throw in Javante Williams um, in that situation because uh, Brees Hall, Week 7, torn ACL and meniscus, uh, similar Javante Williams, Week 4, torn ACL, LCL. Now the torn ACL for a running back is not the death sentence that it as that it you know used to be in the past. Here, it's not even um, equatable to a pitcher having Tommy John anymore because the general recovery time is barely not even a year. It's roughly nine months. Now, when I say recovery time, I mean time it takes for you to go ahead and get back out on the field. But as you can see with uh, several players of late over the last few years, it is not the year directly following the ACL tear when they come back that they're effective. They're still a step slow. Sometimes they get secondary injuries as a result of compensating. I, I'm going to say, I'll say Delvin Cook to uh, talk about that example. You know, mm -hmm. he nursed a hamstring injury the entire year after his uh, ACL. It's usually the year after the comeback year where these guys are good and productive here. And uh, with a week seven ACL tear for Bryce Hall, I, or I am or for Brees Hall. Sorry, I, I'm going to keep saying Bryce over the course of this thing. For Brees Hall with a Week Seven ACL tear, I don't really think you see him to be, become the back that he is, and that fantasy owners expect him to be until 2024. So, is there a role for him this year? Could he get some touches, maybe in the second half of the season, and be helpful? Yes, but at a 42 ADP. I have I want nothing to do with that. You know, you know, I'm looking at the guys that you took. Obviously, you took Jacobs. Etn went first. Joe Mixon went after that. Miles Sanders, Damian Pierce. I mean, pretty much all of these guys I'm more interested in Brees Hall. People love the upside of Hall, but uh, I'm not about that kind of risk here. You can't just go out and assume he's going to be Adrian Peterson because that is a once-in-a-lifetime fluky athletic situation here. I mean, actually, most people that are following you know, fantasy and have played fantasy over the years have a good gauge of the track record and history of what happens to these guys with ACL tears. Will Hall play? Yes. Will he be as effective as he could be? Absolutely not. And then, of course, you know, Michael Carter's already on the roster. We saw yeah. last year where Carter was getting the carries early before Hall. And then on top of that, you know, you got Delvin Cook hanging around 
around watching practices and the fact that Aaron Rodgers took that pay cut so they could sign veteran presence, I think Hall will have competition for his touches. And when he gets his touches, which I won't, I believe won't be consistent until later in the season, uh, when he gets those touches, they won't quite be as effective. So a fourth-round pick, get me the hell out of there. I'm not interested at all. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And and the part that you mentioned at the end is the biggest key for me because when we were really reviewing this and I was doing the podcast on Wednesday with Wednesdays with Jim Coventry throughout the offseason, the idea of Brees Hall, the electric running back we saw at times last year, if you remember, Jake, as a Packers fan, you're well aware of how dominant Brees Hall could be. Yes, I think absolutely. that was his last game before he, he was, was looking getting injured. to be a league winning pick, you know, yeah. last year. He was he was very, I mean, everyone remembers that and everyone sees that. But I, I don't think we can jump to that, right, is what the point that I'm trying to make. Yeah, and and with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, that offense is going to be better. Even if I don't know if Aaron Rodgers puts up the MVP numbers he did in the previous two years at the Packers, there's going to be more scoring. I think the defense already is very good for the Jets. So I was I was willingly considering Brees Hall in the middle third round, uh, end of third mm-hmm. round, because I, I was happy to roll the dice on that upside. But the Delvin Cook thing is just too hard to ignore. Even yeah. if you say Delvin Cook has taken a step back, which I think mm-hmm. he has, and even if you believe upon being healthy, Brees Hall is going to get, I think he's going to get the majority of the workload over Delvin Cook. It's to the point where you can't sign Delvin Cook and not have him cut into something. Um, Michael yep. Carter, Israel Abadakanda, I think is he the sixth round or seventh round pick. He's been letting things up in uh, OTAs and training camp as well too. They have a lot of really good running backs on that depth chart, so they can slow play Brees Hall. And yeah. and when it comes to other guys after him, like you mentioned, we had Joe Mixon, uh, Miles Sanders, Damian Pierce were all drafted in mm-hmm. the, the next 12 or 14 picks. But even later on, uh, J.K. Dobbins, I took Alexander Madison in the sixth round. I like all those guys a bit more than Brees Hall. We're talking about two-round mm-hmm. ADP difference, especially if Delvin yeah. Cook does sign with the Jets. I just can't consider that at all. Yeah, and one of the big points I want to make out of this entire show and what I, what I tried to do in the tweet to market the show was, you know, I know we have it in the graphic, but to me there is no mm-hmm. such thing as a do-not-draft list. Mm-hmm. You know, we get this question as analysts all the time. Who's on your do-not-draft list this year? There's nobody on my do-not-draft list, you know, really, unless, you know, you're so far down your team's depth chart you won't even make the roster, you know, then you could do that. But someone like Hall he would have to be in like the sixth, maybe seventh round for me to actually consider the risk that comes along with that, right? And if you are taking him in the fourth round and you don't get util- – because he'll be in that fantasy purgatory land where, you know, he gets maybe a handful of carries and, and he's doing okay, but he's definitely not productive enough to start and he certainly isn't uh, someone that you want to cut later in the season. If you don't get any production out of your fourth round pick until week six through eight – you're clawing your way back to the playoffs. You know, your season could be over before it begins. So that's another reason. You know, in in, in other that, – that's why I'd say I'm okay with a, a later-round pick because you can get your RB1 and 2 before then and then uh, and then try to get uh, – you know, just hold on – hold on to Hall for later on. There's maybe a buy low opportunity, you know, early mid-season if you're in good shape and you want to get him for the back half of the year. I just, uh, I'm not uh, I'm not sold with an ADP of 42. There's no chance you'll ever see me pay that price. I'm loving the questions we're getting in the tra- uh, chat. When Digo asks, what do we think about Nico Collins? Sports Spotlight asks about George Kittle. We're going to talk about both those guys a little bit later on the show. I did end up drafting uh, Nico Collins in my Beach Joe Burrow online championship last night, part of a string of receivers that I was really trying to go after. I, I, I just missed, I should say, drafting. I wanted to. Uh, that Strategically, I was unable to, but I, I would have definitely been interested in Nico Collins. But to continue on with your point, you had said there is a there, there's nobody that you're not drafting. I'm going to amend that statement 
there is one player that I will not be drafting this year, and that's Jonathan Taylor, who went as the very first pick in the third round again. NFFC drafts is the third round reversal, so pick 25 overall. I had mistakenly thought he was the end of the third round, and I thought 36 yeah. was incorrect ADP. So <laughs> yeah, Joe, Joe put it in our, in our show notes, like 36. He's way overvalued at 36. I'm like, dude, third round reversal, man. Wasn't he the 25th pick? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. so to put this into context, Jake, if I'm playing uh, against my mom and dad and my sister and brother-in-law and my wife and my two-year-old son, fine. I will draft Jonathan Taylor uh, in the third or fourth round because I would imagine in that scenario the stakes are not high, especially in a $250,000 grand prize when I know the, the idea would be, oh, well, if you get it right with Jonathan Taylor, you could win the league. I'm not considering that risk. I, I just will not. I, there's there's no point in I'm going to probably do something like 20 leagues this year, which is gross, and I know I shouldn't do that. You're going to roll your eyes and say, bad, bad, Joe. But there's there's really not a point where I'm going to be considering Jonathan Taylor this year unless we get more news on if and when he'll be playing for the Colts. I'm willing to put money on the fact that I don't think Jonathan Taylor will. Or mm-hmm. I'll take every single under there is on DraftKings or FanDuel on his production because I, I think that situation has dissolved to the point where you cannot amend it. So maybe he gets traded to the Chiefs, like there was rumors past week, or or somebody else that might need a running back over the next couple of weeks. I'm, I'm not considering that scenario um, likely. And if it does, great. You get a third-round value, whatever it is, mm-hmm. fourth round. I think Jonathan Taylor's uh, spot with the Colts and time with the Colts is over. And I, I will not be drafting him in any high-stakes yeah. leagues I'm participating in this year, even though I recognize there might be value. Uh, and I think back to Saquon Barkley, what, two or three weeks ago when there's maybe he doesn't play for the Giants and he fell to the third round. I don't think that's as easy of a fix as the Saquon Barkley mm-hmm. one was, at least with Jonathan Taylor. So I'm I'm out on him. I, I don't think I'll be yeah. taking him at any point this year. At least the feud seems to be more with the ownership and not necessarily right. with the coach and teammates. So that's the one thing that um, that may, leads me to believe that maybe they can get something done. But just a couple notes on Jonathan Taylor here. Over the last week, his ADP is 23. So basically right around where he was going um, today, which I mean, I could see that being a little too high. His high pick was 36, which would be you know the first pick of the uh, well, the, the or, last pick of the third last round. pick of the third round. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. So I mean, I guess at that price, even if he is really slipping in, in drafts, he wouldn't. And I mean, I mean, me personally, that this isn't really analysis, but I already have. I took Taylor in Fishbowl. I took him. I have him in Dynasty League. I cannot afford to have any more uh, shares of Jonathan Taylor. So if my competitors are listening in, in any format, go ahead. No, I won't be taking that player anymore. But uh, again, he's not on my do not draft list because I already have him a couple times. He'd have to fall significantly, or we'd have to get some significantly positive news for me to change my opinion on that anymore. But I have capped my Jonathan Taylor shares for the year. I'm really curious to see what his value will be in the stake league auction, both on your side, but particularly my side. Uh, typically, I'm drafting with Peter Shanky, obviously uh, owner and founder of RotoWire, also a dual Vikings and Colts fan. I, I kind of feel like he'll be fine taking the risk. Uh, maybe it's the millions mm-hmm. in his pocket. That'd be more for I that kinda reason. Wanna, uh, I kind of want to just nominate him right away. Oh, that's what I was going to say. I'm going to do it. And, and there probably is going to be a value, but I actually think there's a tier set with Jonathan Taylor. I mean, I paid uh, 25 afterwards. bucks for him. I don't think I'll get I, him for twenty five bucks. Yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. That's that's how low I am on Jonathan Taylor this year. Like twenty five in a two hundred dollar budget. That's you know kind of what we're working with here. Yeah, yeah. I'll be really curious. We might be even tweeting that out. I know I'm going to be doing an article, uh, at least recapping our side of things with the stake league. I'll also be doing a write up on the podcast right now that we're talking about with the 
uh, beat Joe Burrow online championship. The article and my strategy, uh, spoiler, wasn't exactly happy. We didn't even talk about this, but the number seven overall pick was one of the last on my queue. Like you could kind mm-hmm. of pick where you want to. And I think seven board. is statistically one of the worst spots to be in here. Yeah. Of course, I underestimated how quickly people were going to jump on the fishbowl picks, and I ended up with seven because that was the only one on my fantasy league that you know that we still had. <laughs> <laughs> so um you know that, that was that but i think yeah the seven eight area in a 12 team league is generally the least seven through nine i think is probably the worst yeah and, 10 and, as you see right here number 10 you can end up with the chubb barkley combo yeah which which was ideal i, I was down for uh 10 11 12 i mean i feel fortunate to get tyree kill at the number seven overall pick where i did because both Bijan robinson and amon ross st brown went four and five the Bijan one's defendable. I don't know if it was Alan Sazoski's burner, but Alan Sazoski's taking Bijan number one or two overall. He staked his claim to that one at this point. Uh, St. Brown going as high as he did, I, I was like, oh, this is great, because then I can decide between Tyree Kill and Austin Eckler. We're going to talk a little bit how I think I picked wrong later in the show, but you would assume Tyree Kill at number seven overall, defensible selection. Uh, I will point mm-hmm. out otherwise, but maybe it's me just hand-wringing a little bit more. We yeah, have I mean, still... three wide receivers in this league, so I, yes. you know, I can see wanting to get the wide up. We still have some overvalued players that we want to talk about. And actually, I'm going to give some bonus overvalued players uh, in just a second. Let's get a word from our sponsors, Fantrax. For you fantasy football players out there, is there something you wish your fantasy league had or features that are missing from your current league? Bonus scoring, custom schedules, playoffs, deeper team settings? Look no further because we have you covered with our friends at Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Create or join a fantasy football uh, commissioner league, invite your friends, and dominate your drafts this season. Fantrax is the top dynasty fantasy football platform in the industry. Coming from another service? Well, not a problem. Fantrax can easily import all of your current leagues and rosters and customize them if needed. Ever have a trade go through wrong or incorrect or make a mistake in dropping a player? Fantrax Commissioner Tools allows you to undo all moves with one simple click. If there's anything lacking in your current fantasy league, uh, Fantrax likely has you covered. Fantrax is running a special promotion you won't want to miss out for free at Fantrax.com slash today or enter for your chance to win tickets to any regular season NFL game for you and your entire league, plus 6K in spending cash. That's right. Tickets for your entire league, plus 6K in cash. Simply create a new league or bring over your existing leagues for more chances to win. Go to Fantrax.com slash RotoWare and sign up today. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. All right, so we had talked about overvalued players. We had mentioned Jonathan Taylor uh, and also Brees Hall. There's a trio of running backs that I'm just really never considering. That's Javante Williams, James Cook, and David Montgomery. We talked about uh, James Cook at the top of the show when breaking down news and analysis over the past couple hours, uh, you know, past two days, I should say. Javante Williams, same concept as Brees Hall, although he theoretically is now safer from his knee injury than he was this past season. And then David Montgomery, we had him, I think, drafted in the, uh, let's see, seventh round, end of the seventh round. All three of those guys were end of seventh round selections. I, I want guys that are going to be difference makers, not just, uh, okay, they're in my lineup. Cool. Hooray. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like David Montgomery, especially, like, kind of just falls into that category for me. But even Javante Williams, too. Peak scenario, yeah. he's Elvin Kamara for uh, Sean Payton's new Broncos mm-hmm. offense. I just don't know that that's going to happen. 
I'm unlikely to get much Javante Williams, but I'm a little bit more optimistic on him than Hall. I'll be more likely to get him than Hall mm. because the injury happened three weeks earlier, which is you know significant enough, and there seems to be just less competition on the Denver roster for touches overall. You know, right? You know, we don't have a Melvin Gordon situation anymore, even though that wasn't really it. I mean, we're looking at Samaj P. Ryan, Tony Jones is next up there. You know, whereas, uh, you know, I know some of that. Uh, Michael Carter is a legitimate option for the Jets, and then there's some spe- speculative addition there. So Javante, I Williams. like P. Ryan. I'll, I'll just say, if you think Michael Carter's legitimate, I think P. Ryan is as well. Okay, yeah, fair enough here. So yeah, Javante Williams mode on David Montgomery just because I don't really trust Detroit to use it right to use him right. I think, uh, and they also a lot of draft capital on Jamar Gibbs. Now the the positive side for David Montgomery would be like he's new. He he would be the new uh, Jamal, Jamal Williams. Williams. Yeah, and he'll score a bunch of touchdowns. You know, someone on that offense will get a whole bunch of red zone touchdowns here. I don't necessarily know that we can equate that one for one. David Montgomery, in theory, is better than Jamal Williams, right. but uh, but I don't know. After we put Jameer Gibbs on the depth chart there, the one I disagree with you on is James Cook. I'd be more likely to get him early, especially if I find myself in a draft where, say, I took Kelsey first overall. Say I went against my general philosophy and reached for a quarterback, which, you know, as you're doing, it may be prudent this year. Um, you know, then these are some of the RB2s that you're looking at at this stage in the draft because if you let this tier fall off, you're really just throwing darts, you know, so um, uh, I, I would I would consider James Cook in this situation a little bit, but uh, those other two guys I can get with you. Yeah, guys drafted after that tier of Javante uh, Williams, James Cook, and David Montgomery. Yeah, James Conner, uh, eighth round James Conner is kind of interesting. DeAndre Swift, Isaiah Pacheco, and then Alvin Kamara, Delvin Cook. That was really like your next 16, uh, 16 picks. Antonio Gibson and Charbonnet ended up rounding on, I think it was round nine, if I'm looking at this correctly, uh, on the board. So, uh, or round eight, I should say. I, I was surprised. I thought the running backs in this draft were priced up higher than I've seen in other streamed editions of these drafts, which was, which was good. I can operate better when running backs are being, being valued the way us in the industry typically do. But normally in the NFFC, they've they've had the situation where, again, three starting receivers, a flex, you want to have as many receivers as possible. And a lot of teams did end up doing that. I could, I could, I could operate. I could understand what was happening a little bit more in this, and I still wasn't considering any of those three guys. I was very fortunate and happy to get Alexander Madison, where I did ahead of that group. Cam Akers also went ahead of that group. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, Rashad White. I think that tier, even if I don't like Rashad White, is much higher to me than the Javante Williams, James Cook, David Montgomery one. So you have another overvalued player, Jake, that I want you to talk about. Listen, I'm going to talk about the other receiver in a sec, but I'm going to skip, skip over to Kadarius Tony, our cover boy. Because, Joe, um, you scared me there. You gave me a real scare with Rasheed Rice, and I think because of – I think I'm actually going to deliver you some good news right now here. Oh, please. I don't, want, I don't want anybody that was listening to the show early on and suddenly panic about Rasheed Rice. Okay, so what I assume that you saw was at 9.57 a.m., Price yes. Carter, he's an SB Nation beat writer for the Chiefs, Rasheed Rice limping off the field, not sure if just a tweak or something serious, went down after a route in the end zone here. That was 9.57 a.m. Central time for us. About two hours later, 10.59, this is a few hours before our show, we have Pete Sweeney, the editor-in-chief of the – Arrowhead Pride, which is the SB Nation Chiefs blog and also affiliated with Chiefs Radio, clearing up some info on Rasheed Rice. He was shaken up after a play earlier, but never left and finished the workout. He is fine. Yes! <laughs> All right. Boom. So thank you. Because, um, again, when you first said that, you, you, 
the viewers in the live show and maybe listening, I was like not talkative for a good five minutes because I was like, okay, what the hell? Is I scared about? you. Out of I, need, I need to sleuth this out because again, our cover boy today is Kadarius Tony, right? And I was here to tell you how he is overvalued. And uh, obviously, if uh, a guy who is a, I believe, could be a threat to those uh, receiving touches in Kansas City, if that guy goes down with something serious, then maybe I reevaluate this Kadarius Tony situation here. But right now. As of the information we currently know, I am not ready to reevaluate the Kadarius uh, Tony situation. Yes, we saw little flashes of him in his career. Very little flashes, small flashes, right? Um, but I, I, I don't think he can shake the injury-prone label, and he certainly has not yet. Um, and I would also argue to say that he is unproven. Unproven for a guy that's going 85th overall in these NFFC drafts. You know, again, just little flashes here. We, can't, we have never seen that he's done it with any kind of consistency, even in a Mahomes-led offense. So... So I can see a couple a couple small PPR heavy games way back when before he was injured like crazy and he's projected to be the number one wide receiver in the Mahomes led offense here not pass catcher remember of course Travis Kelsey should lead the team in targets yards receiving touchdowns and um big plays, whatever you want to call it. You know, Kelsey will lead in every passing category across the board. I think a best-case scenario for Kadarius Tony is Juju Smith-Schuster last year, um, to be completely honest with you. I think uh, he gets competition from MVS's second year in the system, you know, having another year in the system as opposed – I mean, I guess Tony did catch on, you know, late last year, but he didn't really do much about it. Sky Moore's around. And then, of course, rookie Rasheed Rice, who is healthy – did not suffer some kind of crazy injury here. But the injury-prone label for Tony has been something serious for me. It's been a serious concern for a long time. And guess what? He's already injured. He just had surgery like a week ago to repair a partially torn meniscus. And, you know, again, I always say I fell a few classes shy in my MD over at UW here. But, um, you know, it's not good to have a knee injury that's going to make you miss pretty much the entirety of camp, allow all your competition to get first-team reps with Mahomes, and then maybe probably be ready for week one. I know we came out and said uh, before the show today and part of our news and notes that both Pacheco and Tony are expected to be back by week one. Guess what? That's a month away. You know, we'll see what happens. We will see what happens there. But, you know, the fact – I mean, he had knee surgery a week ago. Right. Right, guys. I right. mean, and again, it's not you know, it's not a meniscus is, is like is the is the end of the world here. But Jalen Ramsey is going to miss up until the end or beginning of December with a meniscus tear. So you're yes. telling me the difference is one word that Kadarius Tony had a partial one, and Jalen Ramsey had what full meniscus tear. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know Jalen Ramsey was playing it safe. He's got the big money. He can do that. Kadarius Tony can't. Uh, and I actually, I am familiar. I had a teammate in high school who had a similar thing. Yeah, I remember the football. You did too, right? Yeah, yeah. Did did you ever hear like, oh, you don't actually need a meniscus? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, you you do. You don't need a meniscus if you're okay with your knee grinding against itself. (laughs) You can do that if you're an offensive lineman. If you're a quick-footed, slight-of-hand kind of receiver like Kadarius Tony, that's Mm -hmm. an issue. And more problematic for me, Jake, just project how the Chiefs offense is going to look like. If MVS – Needs to have that field stretcher role. You could throw him in the slot. You can throw him out wide. But he'll be doing that for this mm-hmm. offense. Travis Kelsey catching passes over the middle. I think Rasheed Rice is going to be their outside receiver. Now, maybe this is where the debate is that you don't think Rasheed Rice is capable of doing that. But I think he's uniquely capable, especially among the rookie receivers this year, to be a big body target on the outside. If the Chiefs had signed DeAndre Hopkins, I would be more concerned about Rasheed Rice than I am currently. But as it stands, you have Patrick Mahomes calling for his front office to take Rice because they worked out together before the draft, saying he's going to have a role in this offense. 
I think Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony, and Richie uh, James, again, the former Giants receiver, all kind of do slot things in this offense. And I'll take Sky Moore. I'll take Richie James over Kadarius Tony doing those types of things too. So, yeah, I I, I said I, I would never take Jonathan Taylor. Like if Jonathan Taylor fell into the 10th round, mm-hmm. I'll take Jonathan Taylor, right? Like you, you yep. understand that concept. I don't think there is a point where I will ever consider Kadarius Tony because he's already an eighth round guy, and I'm not going anywhere near him uh, this draft season. I mean, if he's hanging out in the 12th round where you're not grabbing a starter anyway, sure, whatever. I'll, I'll grab him. I'll buy into that two, three-week period of massive, massive Tony hype from a couple years ago with the Giants, and he was going to be the greatest fantasy football pickup since sliced bread. Um, you know, you could buy into that then and maybe hope that that turns into something. But at 85, I mean, there, there's Michael just Gallup no way for me. or Kadarius Tony? Because um, Michael Gallup is a starter, right? I mean, that's that's the qualification we're giving. Yeah, was, yeah. I mean, Gallup, Gallup is 170 in ADP. Like, that. I'll take Tony. I mean, I'm just saying, like, uh, I'll, yeah, I'll, I guess I'll take Tony over Gallup in that situation. But, like, looking at right now, I mean, uh, obviously, you take Jordan Addison over Tony, right? You, lo- you love some Jordan Addison. Yes. Um, I, I, I mean. Here, I'll, hold on. Here. I'll Jake, because yeah. you're, you're yeah, reading off to the camera, here. and I want, yeah. you, or I want you to read off to the camera. But I'm going to tell you right now, I might take Michael Gallup over Kadarius Tony. Like, if you're saying, forget the ADP, it doesn't matter. I think Michael Gallup is going to be in a, just as good of a spot as Kadarius Tony is. And we're talking what almost a hundred point ADP. That's how low I am on Kadarius Tony this year. I will mm-hmm. not be considering him whatsoever. All right, all right. Well, I'm glad. Jeez, I, I thought I was going to be the low man on Tony. No, no, no. You, you definitely outdid me there. Like I'm pretty low on Tony, and I'll never touch him at 85. And and, and actually, it, I wrote down 85 based on his ADP over the last month. Over the last seven days, it's already dropped 10 to 95. Somehow we got positive news, and uh, and, and he's still falling. And he's still falling. His high point was 127 in NFFC drafts over the last seven days. So that tells you something interesting. Um. I, we have a couple more overvalued players that I want to talk about real briefly. Let's do a, a word from our sponsors here. Uh, I think we still have some more sponsors. Right? Yeah, Rival yeah, Fantasy, yeah. right? Rival Fantasy, thank you. If you're looking for a place to play head-to-head fantasy football games without the huge tournaments, salary caps, or complicated game types, then Rival Fantasy is where you want to play this NFL season. From a twist on a classic game with Fantasy Bingo, where players generate a lineup to complete achievements and get bingo, a head-to-head fantasy challenge is where you'll pick which of two players will score more fantasy points this is the best of fantasy sports. For the 2023 NFL season, Rival Fantasy is offering new users a $200 deposit match plus a $25 first play voucher. Rival Fantasy is so confident you'll love the experience. They're giving you free money to play out of the gate. Experience the future of fantasy sports on Rival Fantasy and become a rival today. All right, I, real quick, because I, I don't have a whole lot to say other than I don't like his current ADP. Mark Andrews is somebody I'm probably not considering at all in draft season. So we did that draft last night. Again, uh, we have the draft board live if you're watching on YouTube. Otherwise, we'll talk it through. Uh, We had Mark Andrews go in the end of the third round. So I think pick 32 overall. In typical NFFC drafts, and I think this was more or less the same, the tight end position gets undervalued. Like it gets pushed on a little bit more. Um, I don't know if it's the one-point reception or if there's just – you want to target more receivers and quarterbacks get pushed a little bit higher in the six points per passing touchdown. So one position has to fall in past drafts. I've gotten George Kittle and Kyle Pitts in round uh, five and six, respectively. That was awful last year. The year before I did that same strategy worked out great. was part of the reason why I made it to the finals. Uh, in that I love one. your Pitts price here in this draft. If you're getting, yeah, we'll, that. we'll, we'll get there. Don't, don't, don't spoil it for the, yeah. the draft listeners here. All right. Yeah. Listeners. Cause the people can see it on there. 
<laughs> Mark Andrews going in the third round in this kind of format, I, I get it. it, makes sense. We're we're dramatically under uh, we're dramatically underestimating what's going to happen in this Todd Munkin offense. When you sign uh, Odell Beckham, when you draft Zay Flowers, when you have Rashad Bateman back, they still have guys like Nelson Aguilar as well around too. Devin DuVernay, who I think is going to be better utilized in this offense than anything Greg Roman could concoct in his pea brain mind. Like Mark Andrews can't possibly get as many targets as he has in past seasons. They have too many quality players and are willing to look at at different portions of the field that Greg and Roman had no idea what it looked like. When you're considering a defensive tackle turned fullback or vice versa and Pat Ricard getting critical offensive snaps, it does not take a genius mastermind to think, huh, what if we throw the ball 20 yards further down the field? What does that look like? It sure as heck does not involve Mark Andrews. We're assuming third-round Mark Andrews is the same guy that's getting 160, 170 targets, and I just don't think that's going to be the case, not with all the weapons they have and not in this new offensive system. And, oh, by the way, they still have J.K. Dobbins. Gus Edwards can be back healthy. Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson's still there. Uh, I, I think we're talking about yeah. a guy that should be and, closer and you know to what? George Kittle in round five than the round three Mark mm-hmm. Andrews. And you know what the YouTube commenters pointed out? Isaiah, likely fam, we ride. So, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> so I, there we no, go here. No, no, I mean, it's any of the tight ends. Yeah, of the so, so to me, tight end's pretty simple this year, right? It's it's kind of a Kelsey or bust scenario. You know, you, if you, you get Kelsey early and you're, and you're okay with that, go for it. Um, after that, I'm probably letting it slide for a while, just looking for anybody to slip. Maybe looking at, uh, see, I, I'd be looking at Kyle Pitts, you know, fifth, sixth round. And then once we get past that, you know, I mean, if tight end last year taught us anything, right, it's Kelsey or bust. And, and, you know, I'll take the one guy that has a lot of ceiling left to reach. But then after that, I'm like kind of putting the position and going to the, you know, Dulcich, Komet, Irv Smith, Laporta, that type of. We'll stream week to week until something somewhat sticks, and maybe we find the guy. You know, that's our Tuesday show, guys. Right, the guys we're going to be mentioning every Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Here, so uh, do we have? Is there anything else on Andrews, or do we have enough time to do my last one? No, I, I want you got two and a half minutes on DJ Moore. Uh, who? Spoiler for everyone, that's your other yes, guy. Yes, okay, yeah, guys. you got me back. You got me back. Yeah, <laughs> DJ Moore. Uh, ADP is forty-eight, which is outrageous, of course. Um, but and I'm going to try to make this argument for DJ Moore without trying to make the uh, Justin Fields can't pass argument because okay. although that could certainly be possible, I don't think we know enough and the sample is not quite out enough to um, to definitely make that determination here. And uh, and DJ Moore, yeah, 46 over the last week, 48 over the last month, so he's actually going up. Uh, 40 in my draft. 40 in your draft, yes. Um, Man, so, yeah, again, like I said, we don't know that Fields is going to be as dreadful as last season. But for me, it's more about opportunities and not necessarily Fields being bad. Because you see, the Bears as a team, and this is as a team that wasn't necessarily winning either, were dead last in pass attempts last season. And partially, of course, yeah, you know what? That was due to... um that was due to personnel. Justin Fields was a rookie. He was out there. He didn't have a choice. And he also didn't have anybody to throw to, right? So you're going to try to design your entire offense around not making him throw the ball. But I don't think they necessarily changed the entire whole scheme of their offense here and suddenly become even the middle of the pack passing offense. I think that's too much of a leap to expect. So now you got the scheme. You've got fields. you got question marks there. Again, I want to try to stay away from criticizing fields and keep this argument focused on DJ Moore. He is coming off a career-low 53.4% catch rate. Now, granted, that was the Carolina quarterback carousel with nobody really reliable mm-hmm. in a mess of an offense that lost its best player via a trade to the 49ers uh, midseason here. But still, the low catch rate is a little bit of a concern. And then 
I want to talk about TD regression. And you don't normally talk about TD regression when a guy only has seven touchdowns, but that was his career-high mark. Um, so now when we think about this, the Bears, they've got Cole Komet in the red zone, another big red zone target. Um, and plus Fields is, is, is frankly just going to really run a good. lot down there. He's going to run around. He's going to scramble. He's going to find his way to the end zone. You know, I'm not – this is – again, I wanted to try to make this argument without criticizing Fields too much. And I think that a top 50 overall receiver – for the Bears in this offense, I just I, I don't believe it. I do not believe it here. You know, maybe DJ Moore you're buying his skills over over the years, but he's someone that if you've ever rostered DJ Moore before, even if you rostered him last year, you know that he has consistently let you down in fantasy. And I don't suddenly see things changing all of a sudden this year. Yeah, and I don't even know if it's let you down, but just been been disappointing. Like it'd be better if they let you down. Like, oh, I just want to cut this guy, whatever. Yeah, but it's yeah it'd be guy, better oh, if they I... let you down because then you could, yeah, then you could cut the guy or trade him for peanuts or, or right. leave him be. But he's been like just average enough to stick around on your roster and maybe make you think about starting him from week to week. And, and that is not a top 50 player to me. Yeah, again, 48, went, 48 overall. And he went Fifth 40 round. in my, my uh, draft last night. Guys I would take over DJ Moore, Drake London, uh, who is, I think, six or seven picks after. Christian Watson, who went yep. 10 picks after. I don't even like Christian Scary Watson. Scary Terry? Right. I took I, st- I took uh, Scary Terry almost 12 picks after uh, DJ Moore. I'll take Chris Goblin as well, too. Yep. I'll take Mike Evans, who went a full round after him. Mike Evans, I will definitely um, think. I'd think about Ayuk. Yeah, and I, I actually don't mind Tyler Lockett as well. Like, if you think yep. the – Deontay the, Johnson is, is – Yeah, Deontay Johnson's the same thing. We're starting thing, to get a little bit closer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, so um, I, I, I – But there's a lot of guys below him in ADP that were taken beforehand. And, uh, you know, and it's not just, a, not just a little bit of Bears bias in here. I tried to keep that out of it here. I tried to make the DJ Moore argument without ta- trashing Justin Fields. And um, who Justin Fields will be a very viable fantasy quarterback this year, by the way, real life. Maybe not so much, but fantasy will be excellent. And there are just so many guys that I would rather take at that position, uh, further down at that position than DJ Moore. Real quick, Joanna, uh, I think was was countering my Mark Andrews one, but I actually think that the point helps me more. She said the Ravens' neutral pass rate was bottom 10 for the last few years, and Andrews got to tight end one. I don't. I, I would just assume tight end one starting, not excluding Kelsey, in one of the lower passing offenses. Yes, that's exactly my point. They literally had nobody else. Greg Roman was so incapable of inventing anything else that Mark Andrews by default became the only option. Now they have four quality receivers, a coordinator that knows what 2023 offense actually looks like and a quarterback that still is uniquely good at running along with the runners. Mark Andrews will not get the same workload. I don't even think he's going to be more efficient if he gets less workload. I think he simply gets less and does less with that point and simple because the Ravens offense now is actually real like it's it's not like this fake thing that looks gadgety and you'd want to do a madden it's like an actual yep. legitimate offense <laughs> i'll take mark andrews in the fifth i'm not taking him in the third round this not kind of show always offense gets yeah, better because exactly. mark andrews doesn't make the offense better yeah this kind of show always ruffles some feathers here and joe uh props to you for uh hats <laughs> off to you for going out and picking the highest adp guy to go out and call overvalued and of course we're going to get some arguments against that so we always appreciate uh a little bit of challenge here and there that's what makes for great shows um, but but yeah, overall, I think we hit some guys. So if we did, if we had to go back and go five, Brees Hall, Mark Andrews, Jonathan Taylor, 
DJ Moore, Kadarius Tony, and then your three bonus running backs. Yeah, those are yeah. those are our five overvalued based on ADP, based on NFFC day ADP, and heck, NFFC should have sponsored us for this because we repped them the whole show today. <laughs> well, yeah, they, they've been they're great to us all year. Obviously, doing a yeah, lot of the so, other yeah, they, yeah, uh, the, the road wire part. Well, too, so, they, so yeah, they do technically sponsor us. I should say, but, but yeah, they, <laughs> literally no, our awesome. name is on the. Draft. Yeah, if you're a serious fantasy football player and you think you can go ahead and be challenged and challenge yourself against the best, NFFC is really your only option. Go ahead and check them out. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I'll be doing hopefully a few more of the NFC, NFFC competitions uh, over the coming weeks. That does it for us on today's show. We'll be back in next week talking more of these different strategy ideas. Obviously, we'll be recapping what happened over the course of our stake league drafts. We've never really touched on my strategy overall in here, so maybe it's just a strategy-laden one. And upcoming, obviously, every Tuesday during the regular season, we'll go over those free agent wave wire pickups. But more importantly, uh, for the listeners who want to make money, you and I have been really great uh, on the – favorite bets and the uh, win-loss over-unders. That's the final show before the regular season starts. That's to come. Looking we'll, forward to that as well. It'll be the second to last second one, right? Because we'll there'll be one pre-week one waiver show, yes. right? And then, and then, so yeah, then uh, the, the win total over-under will bring you home with that. Perhaps already started. Yeah, there you go. All right, thanks everyone for listening.